0: It has been my honor and my privilege to be the pastor of this great church here for almost 14 years, we 14 years in July, and during that time, God has shown us some wonderful opportunities to grow together, has taken us through all kinds of difficult times. Uh, we've seen uh, the birth of our, our, our uh, worship in the hall and our extended worship family services and the times to come together, so much we've done here. But God has called me, among other things, to be the vision caster for our church family. There needs to be someone who finds that secret place that we get alone with God, get quiet with Him and say, God, help us to see the big picture. Help me to know where as a whole congregation you're leading us. Well, that has happened several times over the course of my ministry here with you. But my most recent experience of having had heart surgery and such laid me up for a period of time. I've never been laid up that long Mm. in my life. And during that period of time, there was times some sweet fellowship with God. I had difficulty concentrating sometimes reading the scriptures or whatever, but closing my eyes and just entering into that very special secret place that he and I have. There were some precious moments there. I'd had a time back about 10 years ago that I got alone with the Lord. Larry and I took off and went up to Pigeon Forge area. One day she went shopping and I spent the day there in my room just praying and meditating. Out of that, God gave me the vision statement that we've been operating under. And it is this. We believe that we exist to glorify God by attracting and winning people to faith in Jesus Christ. Nurturing them in our Christian family, bringing them to Christ-like maturity, and then engaging them in meaningful ministry. As I was sitting in my chair or laying there over the course of my recovery, God brought me to that vision statement many times over, but he did that in a way that sometimes was joyful and sometimes was painful. As he said, Fred, how are you doing? How's my church doing that I've left under your care?" And I, I, I was able to say, Lord, we love one another. When it comes to nurturing one another, when it comes to encouraging one another, when it comes to this, we do well. And we do well in educating and discipling your people. And that's growing these last few years so much that Derek's been able to come alongside and join me in this heartfelt endeavor for him, too. And then. There's probably very few churches that has as much engagement in missions and ministry as we do. And so I really felt the Lord's well done there. But where I had to stand before Him, in tears. God, we do not do a good job in attracting and winning people to faith in You. We are not an overtly purposeful evangelistic congregation. I have failed you in that area. I failed our church in that area. And God said, that's okay. Because you're not done yet and neither is my church. There's much there for us to do. And so I came back from that experience slowly at first and then building up as I've gone and began to pour into your other ministers and our support staff that are likewise ministers and whatever they do, the vision that God was putting in my heart, that we have got to have a sharp point to our spear. We've got to, more than anything else, create a culture in our church family that prays for, loves, and is constantly on the lookout of how to engage lost and unchurched people into our congregation and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but that's monumental. When you change the, ines- the essential culture of a church, that's a monumental undertaking. And for us, our culture has been primarily caring for those who God brings our way, loving them deeply, educating them and engaging them, and that we have done very well. But as I stand before you now, I have to say, okay, things are about to change. There's, there's a new day coming and a day that I think that will bring you great excitement. Give me that first slide, if you will, please, Denise. It takes a worthy why to drive a great what? Okay, what does that mean, Brother Fred? Well, let me put it to you this way. I go home and I tell my sweet wife, okay, honey, I want to buy a brand new truck. I heard that amen, hallelujah. <laughs> and you know my wife, she's got a one-word question, why? And I say, because Ken's got a new one it looks better than mine does. That's not a worthy what? To drive my sole partner for a lifetime into going into expense and buying a truck. You see, it takes a worthy why to drive a great what. When it comes to church, when it comes to being the body of Christ, the worthy why is so significant. This is where we've got to start. Give me my next slide, please, Denise. Some years ago, uh, Rick Warren came up with this. It might not have been original with him. I don't know. But I first picked it up out of one of his his, uh, magazines. And he said this, A great commitment... To the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. And that has stuck with me for decades now. A great commitment, whatever it takes, doing whatever it takes to fulfill these two things, the great commandment and the great commission, it will always grow a great church. Well, what is that great commitment? Turn with you, if you will, in your Bibles to uh, Matthew, and you'll find in Matthew Chapter 22, that great commandment. It actually came about in a setting where Jesus was being picked on. He was being prodded. They were trying to find a reason to, to have yet more things against Him. So we'll pick up reading in Matthew, in, in Matthew 22 at verse 36. And this is what one of the, the Pharisees said to Him. a teacher." Which is the great commandment of the law? And they asked this because they've been arguing this among themselves and among the Sadducees. And each one had come up with something different. So they were asking him to take sides in an argument. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets." Jesus answered that question. When I first came to faith in Christ, I had no background whatsoever. And I grew up in a church that was very, very legalistic. And I remember when I first got to college, uh, I, I understood that the way I expressed my love and obedience to God was to follow very, very legalistically everything that I found in the Scriptures. And it wasn't long before a friend of mine, a fellow believer, came to me and said, Fred, what about God's grace? What about His love? What about His mercy that, that overcomes all of those sins? And I thought, well, you know, I hadn't thought about that. So then I swung over here, well, it doesn't matter so much how I live because I'm covered by God's grace. I'm covered by God's mercy. But it wasn't long before I had another friend that came to me and said, now, wait a minute, that doesn't mean that you're, that you're no longer required to keep God's holy laws. They're there for a real reason. You have to find that reality is here in the middle between the two. If I had really just dug into this great commandment, I would have understood that from the very, very beginning." Where the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of that day had it all wrong was they were thinking it was just a matter of keeping all of the rules. And not only were there the Ten Commandments, there were 613 additional Mosaic laws that they kept meticulously and they required everybody else to or they'd look down their long religious nose at them and say, shame, shame, shame. And it was all about the keeping of the rules. It had no heart. And that's one of the things that Jesus just strove with them over and over again. They were missing the heart. Folks, Jesus made it abundantly clear. He said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. It's a matter of love. It's not a matter of rigorously keeping the do's and don'ts of some religion. It's about being transformed by the power of that love and out of that love doing those things that honor God and bring Him glory. And Jesus was saying, you've got to understand what's behind all of those laws. It's love. God's love for us. And we express that love back to Him by keeping His commandments. But don't get caught up with that because part of the commandments, this comes out of Leviticus, says you need to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to care for them. You need to be compassionate about them. And so I asked Jesus, Jesus, how is it that you express that? And in his word, it says that when he looked over the multitudes, when he looked over the crowds, it says he had compassion over them. And, and, and as Derek told us here, uh, last Sunday night, the, the emotions were felt in the stomach, okay? And, and so it said he, he felt the bowels of compassion moved for them. So he had a stomach ache for souls. He had an ache to see people come to know him in an intimate way. He cared for these people. And did they all love him and respect him? No. Were they all cleaned up and ready and nice? No. They were very different from him and they kept a whole different agenda. But he loved them. And he says, Fred, you want First Baptist Church of Lares would be great. Help to create an atmosphere. Help to create a culture. Not only where you love one another, you're doing great there. But you look at the multitudes when we go to town and when we're in school and when we go to work when we're shopping. And allow the the heart of Christ to move within you and say, these folks need me. These folks need me. And you're my mouthpiece. That's the great commandment. The great commission. Ah, now that's something else entirely. Derek, come share with us. Praise God for a pastor with a
1: vision. Amen. Amen. So the great commission we'll find also in Matthew chapter 28. If you turn with me there. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, but it's Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. I'm going to put on my gift I got for my 40th birthday. (laughs) All righty. Let's read together. Now the 11th, let me just a little background. This is after Jesus' resurrection. He'd been walking around on the earth for 40 days and... uh, he is about to ascend to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, where He is right now. Praise God. Amen. And every every day, Lord, can I go get Him? Can I go get Him today, Dad? Just hang on, just a minute more, just a minute. More. But this is a He's on the Mount, and He's about to be taken into heaven. And now the verse sixteen. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and then they saw Him. I'm sorry, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I want to talk to you about five aspects of the Great Commission. There are five aspects here that we need to to grasp, number one. Number one is availability. The first three are attitudes, really. We need to have the attitude of availability, all right? Uh, The Bible says here in verse uh, 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Scholars say it wasn't just the eleven, that there were upwards of maybe 500 people present for the... For the ascension into heaven. And they were there, they, because Jesus had directed them. All right? All right. So how does that apply to First Baptist Church as we're thinking about this this vision that our, our vision caster is laying out for us today? Can we say, truly can we say, we are available to you, Jesus. We're available. God, the creator of the universe, who spoke and the stars came into being and has a name for every single one of them, and has the hairs on your head numbered. The God of all creation does not need your ability. He tells the ocean how far to come up on the shore. He tells the mountains how high they are to stand. He tells the trees how tall they are to grow and when the leaves are to change and the leaves are to fall. He does not need our ability. What He wants, however, is our availability. He wants us to say to Him, Yes, Father. Yes, Jesus. I am available. Can we say at First Baptist Church, we're available For the lost. Can we say that? Aspect number two. There was worship. There's worship in this great commission. Verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Can you imagine what it was like to see Jesus in his glorified body about to be ascended in heaven? Well, they did exactly what we we think they should have done. They worshipped him. They just, oh, that's, wow, they're just, I'm unworthy, I'm on my face before you, God. Jesus, you're, I worship you. Maybe some cried, maybe some raised their hands, maybe some were silent, maybe some shouted, but they worshiped him, and they worshiped him in spirit and in truth. When we are confronted with Jesus, we should worship him. And we should worship Him truly. We need to ask ourselves about our worship at First Baptist Church. Is it in spirit and truth? Is it true worship? Or or are we worried more about our comfort? Are you willing right now to give up your seat for someone who does not know Jesus? What can we say about our worship? Do we have an attitude that, yeah, we got room in our congregation for the lost up there in the balcony. Nothing to be said. I'm not saying anything about you guys. <laughs> not saying anything. <laughs> Praise God for y'all up in the balcony. Can I get a witness up there? Woohoo! <laughs> All right. But that's, can we say that we are available? And can, what can we say about our worship? Is it it true divine worship? Okay. Then um, a third aspect, a third attitude is submission. Listen to what the Word says. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Come on, somebody. Come on, choir. All authority has been given to me all authority there is this and 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 there is absolutely not a single syllable recorded in the word where anyone that day there that day questioned him on that he said all authority's been given to me can we say that when god god has called us to reach the lost can we, are we saying with our lives in the way we love the lost that we are in submission to Christ's authority? These are hard questions that we have to answer starting with me. So those are three attitudes and then there are two other aspects. Number, number four here is Obedience. Jesus says, go, therefore, in verse 19, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that verse alone is a sermon series. Or well, let's just say this. <clears throat> the language here is really... Uh, says as you are going since you will be going it is assumed that we are going to be going do you understand this this is a command that gee this is not an option that jesus has given us this is we cannot have the attitude that well i'll just go down there to the church and i'll write a check every now and then and those i've got i'm paying those guys who wear the who are on staff to go and win people to christ Some of you have that attitude and you never give. This is a, not an option. We have to ask ourselves as a church, are we available? Are we truly worshiping? Are we submitting to the authority of Jesus? And are we obeying this command to reach the light? It is not an option. Jesus, in His glorified body about to go to heaven uh, to be with his Father, is assuming that we're going to do this. As you go. If we were all held in a court of law, charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in our lives to convict us? According to his word. He doesn't say in this verse to go make church members. He doesn't say in this verse to go make, just make converts. He says to go and make disciples. The first step in discipleship is to be discipled to the cross. You cannot make disciples without discipling, without Holy Spirit using you to disciple them to the cross. Amen. Or oh me. I I don't know. The the fourth aspect is obedience. Can we say we are an obedient church to the Great Commission? Then finally, Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The fifth aspect is power. If you get down into this and you look at the Greek and see what the Greek says here, this is what Jesus is using a a form of of Greek language which is is saying, pay attention and lo, or behold, pay attention to me. What I'm saying to you right here is the most important thing. Pay attention to me. I, myself, I myself, not the baby in the manger, not the Jesus up on the cross, but the resurrected Jesus who has defeated sin and death and has won the victory, I myself, listen, am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that is when He comes back To get us. uh, Oh me. That's what Jesus is saying. So. With that in mind. As you're going. Make disciples. All authority. Has been given to me. Worship me. Submit to me. Obey me. And let's save the world. Let's change the world. I love this. Jesus does not need us to do that. He wants us. And I'd rather be wanted than need it any day. That's the Great Commission.
0: So... When we put this together, we have to ask the question, what's our business? Our business is not just nurturing the godly or bringing them to awareness or engaging them in ministry. Business starts by discipling them to the cross. I had to ask myself a question laying there on my bed. How do I determine what our business is at First Baptist Church? And there happened to be an old It going on on TV, and it, somebody said, follow the money. And I thought, okay, let's follow the money. When you look at our budget, when you look at, at where we spend our time and where we spend uh, our money, it's predominantly in nurturing, educating, and in ministry and going in missions. We're not spending the money or the time in the area specifically of where we start and that's with evangelism so if that's our business there's a natural question that flows out of that so how's business <laughs> how's business
1: <clears throat> let's not just wonder about it let's just kind of look at some statistics our statistics from last year praise god for these numbers last year we Eleven children, one student, and six adults received Christ and came for baptism at First Baptist Church. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. We will. We would not want to uh, understate the significance of of those eighteen lives. But for a church this size and the resources we have, that's pathetic. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us as church, forgive us as leaders who have not led better than this. If we were a retail or service business and this was our profit loss statement, we'd be out of business. And look, it's not because we don't have a feel white with harvest. In 2018, 70% of Union County did not attend church on Easter Sunday. That's the highest attendance day of the year. Out of a population of about 24,000 at First Baptist Church, we had 1,100. Now, that's nearly 5% of Union County's population in church at our church. But just under 17,000 were not in church anywhere. I'm not talking about just at our church, I'm talking about at any church. Anywhere, goodness gracious, what in the world are we doing stealing church members come from on. other churches? Come on! What in the world are other churches doing stealing church members from other churches? There were 17,000 people not in church on Easter Sunday. And we go to people to other churches and say, hey, come try out our church. Our church is better. God, forgive us and forgive those who do that. The woods are full of of people who are not in church. The woods are full of people who are lost. But do we see them? Do we notice them? Are we burdened for them? Are we praying for them? Are we inviting them? How is business? I don't know if business is, is that good. And that leads us to our next slide, which is the point, the point of the spear.
0: We believe where God has led us now is the genuine point of our spear. And I use that as as an illustration, just works with me. The point of our spear must be reaching the lost and unchurched in our community Mm. for Christ. All all people, all, all ages. We live in a wonderful retirement community. Praise God for that. Retirees are are great sources and well-deserving of our focus. Those who are believers have a great love for Christ and they've got time on their hands and they want to be engaged in ministry. And we want to give these wonderful opportunities to people who are moving into our area, they're looking for a church that is alive, that has opportunities for service and missions and teaching and all of that. We we want to focus. There are a lot of these folks, median and senior adults, who move into our area, that are unchurched, that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must be burdened for them. We've got to be praying for them. We've got to seek ways to engage them and to find out what can we do to bring them to the gospel of Christ and bring them into our church family. Church people of all ages need Jesus. They all do. But statistics tell us that people are more likely to come to faith in Christ <coughs> up to the age of their mid-teens than at any other time in their lives. Let me ask you a question. If you became a believer in Jesus Christ before the age of 18, will you raise your hand right now? Look around. Look around. What, what does this tell us? Thank you. What, what does this tell us? The head of our spear, the point of our spear, needs to always be... Folks of all ages come to faith in Christ. But the head of our spirit, hmm, that's reaching a very targeted audience.
1: The head of our spear needs to be reaching families with children still at home. And that, that, kind, that demographic chain is changing. Some, there are a lot of grandparents who are raising children right. now. There's, there's so many, there's many. And we need to be sensitive to that. And Understanding of that and providing opportunities for those families to hear the gospel. I I cannot reiterate uh, what Brother Fred said anymore, that every single person needs to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what their age is. In our Bible study classes, we need to have lists of prospects who are lost not who are just look like us and act like us and, and vote like us or whatever, but that are lost, people who are lost in every Sunday school class, in every age group, out of 17,000 people in this community, there are lost people in every single age group, all right? They need to be prospects, all right? But according to the statistics and the likelihood of people receiving Christ, we need to strike when that iron is hot, and that is before the age of 18. So the head of our spirit. Every class, like I said, needs to have, have prospects of, of those who are lost, but also prospects in this category, with families with children still at home. We've got to be focusing and targeting there. We live in this wonderful retirement community. It's a beautiful And most of the members of First Baptist Church are retirees. Thank you so much. What a a beautiful thing that is. When we walk the streets, who do you notice? You notice retirees. All right, when you stop at the stop signs in town, what do you notice? Retirees. This is what I notice when I stop at a stop sign in town. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) you laugh because it's true (laughs) I just go I'm that pushy guy (laughs) all right but retirees and, and folks like like we see all in our church today but here is something we might not be aware of or maybe you are, and just haven't thought about it this way. There's an infra- there's an infrastructure that supports the retirees. There are the restaurants, the um, the the doctor's office, the doctors, the care, the hospital. There are all there's all sorts of entertainment and and businesses that are staffed by families with children still at home. One of the one of the deep, strongest, most difficult challenges in our community is that. For the number of restaurants that we have, I think there's two restaurants for every person in Union County. The number of restaurants we have, folks trying to staff those restaurants are in a constant, constant struggle trying to keep people. Constant struggle. And the people that staff those restaurants so often are in this category. Do we see them? Are they invisible to us? Our school system grows each year in enrollment. Just since I've moved to the Blairsville area, Union County schools have gone up in a classification because of the amount of students that are in our school system now. The woods are full of families with children, with teens. We can
0: ask ourselves, do we see them? So we want to create this culture where we are aware of people around us that are not engaged in church and that are lost. To engage a culture and to start this atmosphere that this is who we're looking for. Next slide, please. What we want to do in the process of this, Denise, give me the next slide, please, is that evaluate everything we do in late of how we are trying to reach people for faith in Christ and all people of all ages but specifically the young families if we don't get them in here to nurture them and encourage them and grow them in our faith then there's gonna be a time when this is not so much a retirement community and we have to understand you know seniors play a huge role in our church family they, they handle most of the bills around here do you know that last year we had twenty senior adults that, that left our church family, some passed away and went to heaven, others went to live closer to family. That so impacted our budget, we had to amend our budget. 20, okay? Because we're so faithful in their giving and doing and being engaged. So we, as we bring young families in here, we're wanting to grow them into the Lord to where they can begin filling these ranks and taking these ranks of the next ones down the pipe. And, and these children, they're the answer. Our schools are the answer. Looking around and seeing these babies and loving on them and getting to their parents. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. So
1: everything we do has to be evaluated as it relates to this spear thrust. We have to have this special emphasis uh, on reaching these families that, that so often go so unseen. Again, I cannot say enough. There, is, there are lost people in every category, every Bible study, every group should have prospects in, in people that look like you and in your age group, and your stage of life. But we can't miss the, these, fam- these families with children at home. It has to, everything has to be evaluated with that spear thrust.
0: All right. Next slide, please. So there are two questions that I've begun to ask myself and I'm asking my, your ministers, I'm asking your, uh, uh, your support staff, I've started asking the Sunday School leaders and deacons two questions. Here's the first one. Who do you know that does not attend church? And you do. They live around you, they work around you, they're here. And the second question is this, what can we do to reach more people mm-hmm. for Christ? These two questions, We're asking ourselves every week. And let me tell you, I'm expecting answers. And if I don't get answers from your ministerial staff, there's problems. Okay? And if they don't get answers from from the leaders, the deacons, the teachers, the the leaders, we're not buying into a, a vision. We're not buying into what God's vision is for us. You see, I can cast the vision but we all have to come together to carry the vision. Next slide. So what, what are we suggesting? Go. So what are we
1: suggesting? Um, well, we, uh, we, need a need, we have a need for branding. And we need to create, well, first of all, we need to create a culture in our church family where reaching and lost and unchurched families is our priority. That has to become the new culture. Everything we do. Everything, every new program, every existing program we have, has to be looked at through the lens of this priority. Does this, does this, uh, pass the test of the great commandment and the great commission? All right, so. Um, uh, we'd like to begin. Uh, uh, next slide. Oh, we need. So what are suggesting new branding for all our ministries that will present this uh, un, a united effort to to reach our goals. And I'd like to show you what that new branding looks like. It's going to look like this: First Baptist Blairsville, knowing, being, doing, going. Um, knowing, being, going. That was that was a back and forth. Is it going to be doing or going? I, we, since going is what Jesus said, we're going to go with that.
0: <laughs> all
1: right. So knowing, being, going. All right. We want to know. We want to. Uh, our knowledge of God leads us to our abiding with, with him, which leads us, to our, leads us to going with him. Knowing, being, going. This is going to be on all of our ministries. Uh, the, this, this new look, this unifying look. Right now, we've got this. This um, uh, branding for our student ministry, for our children's ministry, for other things, it's going it's to look more like this. We're going to have, you know, f- first students. Matthew, can you stand, please? Matthew is our human billboard. And uh, look, see his, see his shirt, first student? <laughs> He's proud, proud to, to wear that today. But first students, um, first our small groups, our worship ministers. I want you to look at our kids' ministry from Wednesday night with that logo on it. Come on, somebody. That, <laughs> whoo, look at all that cuteness. Ooh, by the way, children's ministry, y'all, that was awesome. Way to go. So, so, but just, just this idea of, the, of, our, of our new branding, um, we want to move forward with this united uh, uh, a purpose, this united vision um, to reach our community for Christ.
0: These two questions grew out of a story that's pretty well told now of a fellow that had an Oldsmobile dealership. And he really thought Oldsmobiles were the best vehicles that you could ever drive. If you didn't drive an Oldsmobile, you were, you were second class. Every Monday morning, he gathered his entire uh, employees uh, group into the showroom. The grease monkeys, the janitors, uh, you know, the, the mechanics, the salespeople, the vice presidents, everybody into the showroom and he went around the circle asking two questions. Who do you know that needs a car? What can we do to sell more Rosenbills? Who do you know that needs a car? What can we do to sell more Rosenbills? And he expected an answer out of them every week. he gave them one week not to have an answer, and then they were fired. Really, they were fired. Because he existed to sell ocean bills. That's why he was there. And if you weren't on board with that, you didn't have a job. Out of that grew the questions that we're looking at right here. Who do you know that does not know the Lord? Who do you know that is not engaged in church? Will you begin to pray for them? Share their names with us. We will pray with you for Mm -hmm. them. And let's think together of ways that we can draw them to Christ and draw them into the church family. This is key for us. This must be job one. Next slide, please. So what am I suggesting? Here's another thing, that there are no sacred cows. I, I, I told the story of back my first church when I was out of seminary. There was a lady Sunday school classroom that met in a a little room just off the sanctuary. They had a very expensive drapes on the windows. Each one bought their own chair that was in. They had a chandelier <laughs> in their classroom. And we began to grow in that little church. And especially, we had a lot of, of little girls that were coming uh, on Wednesday nights for GAs. And so I approached them and I said, We are out of space. Can we use your Sunday school room for these girls? <laughs> Come to see you, honey. Initially, they were shocked that I would ever even ask. But then those precious ladies caught the vision. What would it be like to reach the little girls in this community and provide the place for them? Mm -hmm. And that exploded in its growth. Mm -hmm. Folks, there can't be any sacred cows because what we've got to do, we've got to develop a whatever-it-takes mentality to reach this world for Jesus Christ. Time is growing short. God has called us to this. It's an irrevocable calling. And you and I have got to take very carefully how can we reach out? How can we obey the great command and the great commission?
1: So so here's another thing that uh, Brother Fred is suggesting. We have to be willing to give permission to ourselves. And we have to be willing to give permission to others to be creative to take risks, and to try things to see if they accomplish our goals. No one, no one gets to sit back in the place of judge. No one gets to sit back in the place of critic. No one gets to sit sit back in the place of that ain't going to work, that's not the way we've ever done it before, and I told you so when it doesn't work. You don't get to do that. (laughs) do not You do not get to do that. You will not be listened to. You will not be heard. You understand? We are, amen, amen. We are going to give one another permission to take
0: risks because this is worth taking risks for. Right. It means that we give you permission to take risks and try something you in your Sunday school class or in your small group or in your ministry that you're engaged with. Try something. And you know what? We're going to take a word out of our vocabulary the word fail. Or how about we
1: just redefine it? Fail. First
0: attempt in
1: learning. Thank you, Kristen Hacker.
0: (laughs) Kristen did
1: that. Our financial (laughs) uh, administrator or secretary, she's really smart with numbers. (laughs) She said, I got a great one for you.
0: Fail. First attempt in learning. That means that we're going to have some things we're going to try that's not going to work. We're going to sweep the pieces under the carpet and we're going to try another one. I want you to give us permission to dream dreams, to take risks, to try new things, to see what will work. We need to hear from you what ideas that you have that we could dream dreams and that we can take risks and we can try other ways to win folks to Jesus Christ. We can ca- I can cast the vision, but we've all got to carry the vision to make this thing happen. So, three minutes next slide. When we're going to take the summer to be looking at some of these ideas. And we're going to begin sorting out what will work and what won't work. Nothing has been decided yet. There's a lot on the table that we're designing, but nothing that we've decided on. We're going to bring ideas to you, let you chew over them, give us ideas and feedback. We're going to try things. But what we want to do, we're going to spend the summer doing our our searching, doing our talking, talking about what about this, what about this, what about this, what about this. And you're going to hear a lot of those things that we want the feedback. But then come the end of summer.
1: That's when we want to try uh, um, have our kickoff. Is that in the uh, end of summer at the beginning of the s- school year? Yes, that's a little vague, <laughs> but that's a general area when we where we are targeting to begin. This is not something we want to rush into, and it's not something we know uh, unprepared. We want to be prepared, and so we don't. So, but understand that is a great time of year to begin to have a kick- kickoff. There's this newness with kids going back to school, new school year, and the people are back into their routine. They're not traveling as much, especially those in the target area groups uh, of families with children still at home.
0: Next slide, Denise. It takes a worthy why to drive and wait what. For me and for your ministers, that worthy why is reaching the lost and unchurched in our area. That's what's driving us right now. We want that to drive you and to push you as well. How are we going to do that? Next slide. We're going to do it together under one banner. At least, there you go, to one slide, First Baptist Blair, for we're knowing, being, and going. We want to invite you to be a part of that.